Good morning, everyone. What a welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, Pastor Nathan, for this opportunity. I am very excited to share with you what God has put on my heart this week. But before I start, I just wanted to take a moment because we are part of an amazing community of people. And I just wanted to remind you guys because I personally have felt this this week. So this is my first sermon here at Hills. And this week I have had so many people contact me and say, Beck, you've got this. Beck, you're awesome. God's got a plan. I'm praying for you. And you know what, guys? Thank you. May we always be that community, right? That builds each other up. So thank you, guys. I'm so grateful to be part of this church and to have this opportunity. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your great faithfulness. As the worship team sang this morning, it was just that new song. Wow. So good. Thank you, Lord, for how faithful you are. Thank you that our hope can rest in you. I pray, Lord, that you will guide my words. Lead me by your Holy Spirit as I speak, Lord God. Pray that we will have open hearts to your word this morning, Lord God. Amen. Awesome. So our series is Hebrews Heroes, which is very cool. And don't you love the introduction, guys? So good. Anyway, so I was praying a lot about who to do for this particular series. When Pastor Nathan started talking about it, we had lots to choose from, right? We heard the list last week. I think we went through a few of them. So there's quite a few heroes listed in this chapter. So I'm just going to read the very first part of Hebrews 11, 1 to 2. Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of this we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. So I kept coming back to Samuel. And Pastor Kay Fulcher, two weeks ago on Mission Sunday, talked about Samuel and the importance of listening to God and hearing God when he speaks to us. And so thank you, Pastor Kay, for a great introduction. Isn't it amazing how God aligns these things sometimes? So that was really cool. When I listened back to her sermon, because of course I was out with kids, that was good. That was exciting. I'm like, yes, we're hearing about Samuel. <laughs> so when I was thinking of great, great people of faith in the books of Samuel, my mind actually was more towards Samuel's mother, Hannah. We know her story. She was a great woman of faith. She petitioned God for years for a child. And when she finally got her son, she took him into the temple and gave him back to the Lord. Her faith made the way for her son to be used mightily by God. He became a judge and a prophet to Israel. Even though Samuel was no longer a baby when she gave him to Eli the priest, as a mum, I can imagine that that trip home without that little boy in your arms would have been really hard. So I've always loved the story of Hannah. But as for Samuel... I've always loved his story as well. I remember hearing it in Sunday school. You know, I was blessed to grow up in a Christian family, so I went along to Sunday school. And when I heard the story of Samuel, a kid being called by the Almighty God to help him do his work, I would get excited, right? I want to be used by God too. So I started to think to myself, what did Samuel actually do in his life 
to be counted as one of our great heroes of the faith because we know the story of Samuel being called by God. But that's, I think, what's in our mind when we think of Samuel. Little boy, sleeping in bed, God calls him, he says, here I am, the end. We know he was a prophet, but we don't actually go, what made him this great man of faith, right? So I started to think about that. So we'll go back to the basic story of Samuel. The first book of Samuel starts out talking about Hannah and how she desperately wanted a baby. She went every year with her family to the tabernacle at Shiloh and prayed and prayed her heart out for a child. Eventually, she promised God that if he gave her a son, that she would give him back to the Lord, that she would dedicate him to lifelong service for the Lord. Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11 reads, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. And so God gave her a son. He gave her Samuel. So we're going to pick up in chapter 1, verse 24 to 28. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I was the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. So Samuel was left at the temple and he grew up there. And in chapter three, we hear about him again. And this is the part of the story that is the most well-known. Chapter three, one to 10. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He ran in to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't, I didn't call you, Eli replied, go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said, go back to bed. You're a bit of a parent there, right? Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called him a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went into Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called us before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. So God called to Samuel and he listened and obeyed the word of the Lord. And so started his prophetic calling. Samuel brought a lot of change to the nation of Israel. You remember right back at the beginning of verse one, it says, in those days, words from the Lord were very rare and visions were uncommon. So that was their reality. They weren't hearing much from God. It even took Eli the priest quite a while to go, oh, that could be God calling you, right? 
And then in verse 19 to 21, it says, As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything he said proved to be reliable. And all of Israel, from Dan to the north of Beersheba in the south, knew Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. That is a huge change, right? So Samuel brought change. God brought change through Samuel. Israel at this time was subjected to Philistine domination, threats from the Ammonites and division among its own tribes. This was not an easy time to be in leadership. The Ark of the Lord was captured and remained in Philistine territory for seven months. And when Eli the priest heard about what had happened to the Ark of the Covenant, he fell down and died from the shock. And so Samuel succeeded him as high priest and judge of Israel. Congratulations. That's like a full-on time, yeah? The books of Samuel cover the transition of Israel from a group of tribes ruled by judges into a united kingdom ruled by King David. So an overview of the life of Samuel would go something like this. He started as a child dedicated to God. He grew up in the temple serving Eli the priest. He was called by God to be a prophet from a young age. He became the last judge of Israel. He was instrumental in bringing in a king, first Saul and then David for for Israel. And he served God faithfully for all his days. It's a pretty good resume, right? So here are two main faith lessons that I have been learning through this study from Samuel. The first one is, we need to stay grounded in God. From the very beginning, Samuel was set apart for lifelong service to the Lord. He was taken as a young child back to the temple and given to God. He grew up serving, living and sleeping in the house of God. In fact, when God called to Samuel, it says in verse 2, He was sleeping in the tabernacle near the Ark of God. Now, in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of faith and represented God's presence. And so Samuel was pretty much as close to God's presence as he could possibly get. So the first thing we can learn from Samuel in regards to staying grounded in God is to get into God's presence often. Now, there's lots of ways to do this. But ones that come to mind are spending time in prayer and in worship. Doesn't always have to be at church, guys. Some of my best worship times are at home when I put on some music and I'm singing away, doing my dishes, right? God is wherever we are. So spending time in prayer and worship, attending church, getting together, encouraging each other, prayer meetings, all of these help to build our faith. We need to be actively pursuing the presence of God in our lives. I've noticed in myself (laughs) when I'm busy or distracted or I don't prioritise things well, especially my time with God, that is when I feel weak. Do we agree? That is when doubt creeps in. That's when anxiety rears its ugly head. That's when I struggle the most. And then I go, oh wait, am I spending time with God? So, In the book of James, it says, as we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Fairly straightforward, right? In the book of John, Jesus says, abide in me. And when I looked up what abide means, it means to stay, to remain. And as we remain in God, and as we get into his presence and draw near to him, then our faith grows. 
Another way to stay grounded in God is to wear the right outfit. In Samuel 2.18, it says, But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord, and he wore a linen garment like that of a priest. So Samuel knew who he was, even as a kid, and he dressed accordingly. In Ephesians 6, the Bible tells us to put on the full armour of God. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour so that you'll be able to resist the enemy. We know who we are in Christ. We also know that as children of God, we have a calling and a purpose to share the hope that there is in God with the world. So we are in a spiritual war for the souls of this world. It wouldn't be wise for any of us to go into a battle with half of our armour on, yeah? So to live this life of faith, we should be prepared and we should dress accordingly. My last way to stay grounded in God that I could see through Samuel is to grow and mature in our faith. In chapter 226, it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favour with the Lord and with the people. Interestingly, a similar thing is said of Jesus in Luke 2.52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and all the people. So yes, we need to continue to grow and mature in our faith. We need to challenge ourselves. We need to stretch ourselves to take opportunities that might seem really scary or freak us out. Get us out of our comfort zone. And all the while become more and more like Jesus. These things, they're not easy for any of us. But as we continue to do this, we will continue to grow our faith. So my second lesson that I learned from Samuel is that we need to choose faith over fear. Samuel chose faith over fear in several ways. First, he was consistent in his words and actions, regardless of his circumstances. He repeatedly called the people of Israel to return to the Lord and to worship only him. Throughout the first book of Samuel, we can see him say, return to the Lord with all your hearts, Turn your hearts to the Lord and obey Him only. Make sure you worship the Lord with all your hearts. Fear the Lord and faithfully serve Him. The Bible says that everything that Samuel said proved to be reliable. Not some of the time, but every single thing he said. Can anyone else? I can't relate to that. That's hard to be completely reliable in every single thing that you've said. Not it's huge. People could trust his words because he always spoke the truth. Sometimes, and I have found this, it is very hard to tell the truth. Especially as a prophet of the Lord, I can imagine that would be difficult. The very first word that God gave Samuel was a word of warning and impending judgment for Eli the priest. So here's Samuel, a kid, probably between 11 and 13 years old, who has to give this word from God to this man who is not just the man that's raised him in the temple and trained him in serving the Lord since he was a little kid, but he's also the high priest of Israel. That would have been really, really hard. And we can read about Samuel's response in chapter 3, 15 to 18. Samuel stayed in bed till morning. Then he got up. It sounds like he didn't sleep, right? 
Then he got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son. Here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything. And may God strike you or even kill you if you hide anything from me. So Samuel told Eli everything. And he didn't hold anything back. So even though it was really difficult, Samuel obeyed God and he told the truth. And this was the beginning of his prophetic calling. So this is something that we can learn from Samuel. Let's practice speaking the truth in love and let's be consistent in our words and in our actions. The second thing that Samuel did to choose faith over fear was that he was steadfast. And I love that new song, Kerry. So much of that song is in this point of what I'm speaking about today. Being steadfast, having our hope in God as an anchor. I was just loving it this morning. It was just another of those God aligning things, right? Very cool. Um, All right, so we're being steadfast. To be steadfast means to be firm and unwavering. Who wants to be firm and unwavering? Yeah. Samuel was a hero. He rallied the spirit of the people of Israel in the midst of oppression, keeping their hope and faith alive. He used his influence to hold the tribes together. So in a time of chaos, Samuel persevered. He stood firm. He stood solid. He brought unity and encouragement to the people at a time where everything seemed to be falling down around them. It can be very easy in times of struggle and difficulty to get caught up in the drama, to feel overwhelmed and frustrated and anxious and to allow fear to sneak in and start to dictate our actions. I know I have found myself there before and I'm assuming some other people in this room may have as well. But in Hebrews 6.19 it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It's one of my favourite scriptures and we did it with the kids as a memory verse this year. I just think it's one of the most important truths that no matter what we face in life, God never changes. We can rely fully on Him, right? As children of God, we can rely on our God. He is faithful. He is unchanging. He is solid reliable. We can put our trust in God. He is our anchor and our faith and hope can be put wholly in Him without hesitation. So in the storms of life, where everything seems to be out of control, when people are scrambling and catastrophizing and allowing fear to get the better of them, we should be the ones standing firm, solid, steadfast, actively choosing faith over fear. As Christians, we should be the calm and the peace in the midst of the storm because our hope is anchored in God, right? So choosing faith over fear and choosing to trust God can be challenging and daunting. We all know that. Like Pastor Nathan said last week, it takes real faith trusting God. In my experience, God rarely shows us the whole plan from the beginning Many times in my life, I've just wished that he would like write it in the sky or something for me, right? But we just have to trust him enough. He never really shows us the full staircase. 
We just have to trust enough to take that first step of faith and then to continue to choose faith over fear as he continues to reveal the plan little bit at a time, yeah? And that's hard because it's a consistent choice. We don't just do it once and go, sweet, ticked off, I'm done. It's a constant decision because fear sits there. It wants to get you thinking, wants to whisper things in your head. No, choose our faith. Choose to stand in our God. Choose to be steadfast and firm. So I'm going to share a little story. Some of you will have heard my our adoption story that I shared a few years ago now at our women's event. But today I'm going to share a little bit, just the very beginning of our faith journey. So that was probably the biggest faith journey that I've been on and that Nathan and I have been on as a couple in our life. Um, you know, before we decided to adopt Zion, we were in a really comfortable space. Comfortable can seem really nice, right? <laughs> so we were in a good space. Nathan had a great job. We were living in a fairly new house. Um, we had four beautiful kids, healthy. Life was good. We had no reason to look for anything else or to be scrambling for anything. We were quite happy and just enjoying our existence. Sometimes that's when God likes to challenge us, right? <laughs> so we didn't wake up one day and just go, let's adopt a child from China, that would be fun. <laughs> no, it was actually a really huge process and it actually started with a dream. So God speaks to all of us in different ways. For Samuel, he spoke to him in an audible voice. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but that would be pretty cool. When God speaks to me, it tends to be in dreams. Since I've been about 16, I would get dreams, sometimes confirming things. Sometimes um, it would be of something that I'll realise years later happen. Like, you know, he'll just kind of um, confirm things to me in dreams. And so that's something that has been my experience. And so when Nova was about one, I started getting dreams about China. And I didn't know much about China, never been there. But I just started having these dreams about abandoned children. And, you know, intense dreams. So I would wake up in the night and I had been dreaming that I was on a missions trip and I was walking through the streets and we were praying to be able to find these children that had been abandoned and, you know, climbing into dumpsters and pulling out children that had literally been thrown away and praying for them to live and then waking up <laughs> crying or praying with God's presence so strong in my room and saying to God, what are you trying to tell me? Like, am I meant to go and be a missionary? Like, what's the plan here? But it was just the very, very beginning of that faith journey. And as I shared that with Nathan, he, he didn't share my vision. It was just me that was getting these dreams, right? And so for a couple of years, we just carried on because what were we going to do? We didn't have a plan. It wasn't like that. It was just a dream. And so I just started praying, just praying about China, praying about children and what God had. Um, anyway, we had our 10-year wedding anniversary. And because we'd been in a good space with jobs, we had a little bit of money saved. And so Nath came to me and said, babe, I'll take you wherever you want to go for your 10-year wedding anniversary. I said, let's go to China. <laughs> At which point he was like, well, I kind of wanted to do something romantic rather than a missions trip. 
but we decided to go half-half. <laughs> so we booked all the fun trip, you know? We did all the Great Wall and the Forbidden City and all the, it's a great country to visit if you ever get an opportunity. But while I was booking all those fun things, I was also searching for orphanages and organisations that we could volunteer with because I was so excited that I would have this opportunity. Um, but as you all know, China has an issue with child abandonment and so organisations over there are often Christian organisations that are there as a humanitarian project to try and help the government, right? And so they're not really out there. So I couldn't find anything. I looked for a couple of weeks and couldn't find anything, anywhere that I could volunteer and I was feeling really frustrated. But Nath said, let's just go. Let's just go and have fun and maybe God will do something while we're there. And so that's what we did. So at least I felt like I was following what God had told me to do. I'm like, I'm going to China. Come and find me, like, <laughs> right? So that's what we did. We jumped on the plane and we went to Beijing because that's, I don't know, where you go. I didn't know where to go. I'm just like, we'll go Beijing. So we did that. And then actually right before we left, two days before, I think, I had a friend at church come to me and say, I heard you're going to China. I have a friend who works over there. And I was like, Oh, I got so excited. So she said, you know, my friend works in an orphanage for children with disabilities. They're always looking for volunteers. Would you like me to give you her email? Yes, please. And so I emailed her straight away, probably maybe in church. <laughs> but like, I was so excited, right? This was my opportunity. So I emailed, I said, we'd really love to come and visit. China's quite strict with that. So we were allowed to come for two days as family friends. So that's what we took, I'm like, that's fine. So we flew to China, we went to Beijing, we played tourist, it was fun. Then we got on a train and traveled 1600 kilometers down to Southern China to volunteer for two days at this orphanage. And at that time, Zion was six months old in that orphanage, just a little bubba. But that was the start of our adoption journey. Now, the adoption story is far too long for this morning. <laughs> but I just wanted to tell you that very beginning bit. The rest of the story is full of frustrations and challenges and breakthroughs and God providing in incredible ways and blessing us beyond measure. There were so many times in that journey where Nathan and I had to stop and face that natural fear response of whatever the craziness was that they told us and then choose faith. And we had to do that again and again and again and again. And it took us over two years before we could travel back to pick him up and probably a stack of paperwork like this high. It was crazy. But we kept choosing to trust God and to keep our faith in him. He had proven to be faithful to us in the past and that was what I clung to. God continues to be ever faithful. Joyce Meyer has a quote that says, the purpose of faith isn't always to keep us from having trouble. It is often to carry us through trouble. If we never had any trouble, we would never need any faith. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that today marks five years of the day that I picked up Zion in China. 
It was December 5th, 2016. It's a very cold government office in Guangzhou, snowing. And a very scared, serious little boy was handed to me. <laughs> and, you know, I look out at that little boy out there in the cubby, full of life, with friends around him, learning about God, you know, living his best life. And I'm so, so grateful that we didn't allow fear to get in the way of that. And it could have happened so easily. But I'm just, I'm so grateful for that. God saw us through. (laughs) So I want to encourage you guys to ask yourselves these questions this week. These are questions I've been asking myself while I've been preparing this. Am I keeping myself grounded in God? Am I spending time in God's presence? Am I wearing the right stuff for this faith journey? Am I challenging myself to grow and mature in my faith? And then ask yourself, am I actively choosing faith over fear? Am I truthful and reliable in what I say and what I do? Am I steadfast? Samuel practiced these things and God used him in mighty ways. Just remember that nothing with God is impossible. We put those limitations on ourselves. And I think that all of us will be surprised what can happen in our lives if we put our trust in him and take that step of faith. All right, I'm going to pray. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful for your faithfulness. When times are unsure, when things are unstable, you are firm and secure. And I thank you, Lord, that our hope can rest solidly in you. I pray, Lord, as we head into this new week and as we think back over what we've been talking about this morning, that you will highlight areas in our lives where we can choose faith where we can lean on you more heavily, where we can, we can shine bright for others to see that the hope that there is in you is a really good way to live. I thank you, Lord, that you will help us to stay grounded in you. And I thank you, Lord, that you'll help us to continue to choose faith over fear in our lives. I pray your blessing on us and your blessing on this time we have together pray that you'll help us to glorify you in our words and our actions today.